This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Kozad is a pretty impressive guy, a retired U.S. Navy rear admiral. These days, he is the president and CEO of the Naval Aviation Museum Foundation, a guy with an incredibly compelling life story. He is the author of a book called Relentless Positivity, A Common Veteran Battling Uncommon Odds. Admiral, uh, it's uh, great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining me so early in the morning, especially on Veterans Day. Hey, this is my pleasure, Frank. Uh, Good morning from Pensacola, Florida. So, uh, Admiral, why don't we begin with uh, why you chose to join the military in in general? Um, How how old were you when you joined the military, and uh, what were you hoping to uh, get out of your military experience? Yeah, so so the story changed over time. I I went to high school in Las Vegas, Nevada, and uh, played basketball, and so I was recruited uh, by several schools. One of those schools was uh, the United States Naval Academy, and you know, I, I got this bug in high school that I wanted to fly. Uh, and so really, you know, free education, the ability to uh, go to a school that had a good reputation uh, and then fly Navy airplanes at some point in my life, that really compelled me, uh, you know, probably my sophomore and junior year in high school. And um, then why the Navy? Out of all the uh, branches of the military that you could be in, was it, was it, was it uh, sports that led you to the Navy initially as well? Yeah, and and. and Part of that was also, uh, you know, a stubborn teenager. Uh, I was also recruited by some schools in the Midwest, and my dad told me that, uh, hey, that'd be great. We'd be closer. Uh, We could come see you. And so uh, what I did was, uh, you know, what most high school kids would do, uh, do exactly opposite of what your folks wanted you to do and ended up on the East Coast. Um, And so uh, you end up as a uh, a naval pilot. Um, how uh, How did you find your experience being a pilot in the Navy? You know, my my motivation to serve went from just I want to fly airplanes to you know just extremely gratifying. Uh, you know I love the concept of service. I love being able to give back and do something you know bigger than just me. And so you know my in- initial intent was you know I'll do this for five or six years and you know do like some others do and jump and go to Delta Airlines and you know make money uh, for the rest of my life. Uh, and you know I just I realized. You know, after a few years, how much I really loved it and how much I really, you know, the profound difference that a life of service made for me. And, you know, that turned into a 35 year career. Wow. I, I, you know, you've written about this in the uh, in the new book, Relentless Positivity, which uh, will encourage folks to absolutely get. But 
Um, I imagine it's still potentially a somewhat difficult thing to talk about. You suffered a spinal cord injury, which resulted in you being being paralyzed. How did you how did you uh, come to suffer that injury? So, you know, it was one of those single moments that changed your life forever. And for me, that happened uh, on the 16th of March, 2018. It was you know, really I, I wish I could tell you that I was uh, jumping out of an airplane or I was climbing Mount Everest. Um, but it was a simple uh, fall in our house. We lived in a historic house uh, here on board Naval Air Station Pensacola, uh, and I was going up uh, some very steep steps with a low uh, handrail banister. Lost my balance and probably fell down, uh, fell over the rail about you know three steps high. Uh, suffered uh, two broken vertebrae and uh, some extensive damage to my spinal cord. So obviously that means your flying days are over. Yeah, absolutely. So that happened, you know, at that point in my career, you know, I had flown for 32 years, had done various jobs, uh, you know, around the world. I'd served in the White House Situation Room. I was in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba for a while, but, you know, lots of flying in that 32-year and you career. I'd ridden uh, to the rank of a two-star admiral, which is something that, you know, less than probably 5% of my peers had accomplished. So, you know, pretty successful up to that point in life. And then, you know, really you hit this roadblock and, um, I, I had a decision to make. The doctor told me I would never, never stand. I'd never get out of a wheelchair. Uh, and uh, I knew that, you know, I could either, you know, lay in a hospital bed, feel sorry for myself and ask why me? Or I could say, you know, screw this. Let's jump on back on the wagon, fight the battle of my life and, uh, you know, try to resume some sort of uh, new normalcy. Um, and, you know, that is one of the reasons that I was eager to have you on, because, uh, you know, since September 11th, Four times as many U.S. service members have died by suicide as have died in combat. There is a huge problem around the country with uh, veteran homelessness. Thirteen percent of adults experiencing homelessness homelessness are veterans. About 15 in every 100 veterans are living with PTSD. There's certainly a lot of veterans in every sector of the world, politics, business, academia, you name it, that are um, making incredibly meaningful contributions. But... A lot of veterans have a difficult time bouncing back uh, with the same sort of spring in their step, not to put it lightly, that they had prior to suffering either a physical injury or some sort of a traumatic brain injury. What is it about your kind of strength of will that led you to be so determined to continue with such a, a meaningful career in terms of helping people, meaningful career in public service, and a meaningful career inspiring others? Yeah, so I, I had several elements of, of motivation. You know, number one was my faith, um, but I also had an incredible support network. And, and that's probably one of my biggest takeaways is, you know, I had my family. I had my Navy family, so they supported me. Um, and, uh, and you know, quite frankly, uh, when I was in, in the hospital uh, for the very first time, um, laying there in the ICU, my son uh, had come to see me. So he's, uh, you know, also a Navy pilot, and he... Uh, um, was headed out on his very first deployment. So he, you know, we wouldn't see him for seven or eight months, uh, wouldn't have a whole lot of communications with him. And, uh, you know, obviously a pretty traumatic experience emotionally for the entire family. And uh, he told his mom that, uh, hey, I'm, I'm going to talk to folks and see if I can uh, stay around here uh, and, and delay my deployment. And, and my wife interrupted him and said, no, you need to go do what you were trained to do, go, go fire missions, go, you know, protect the country, do what you need to do. I'll take care of your dad. And when he gets home, he's going to walk out to your helicopter and he's going to give you a hug. And, and mind you, 
Uh, so no pressure on me at all, right? Because the doctor had just told me two days ago uh, that uh, I'd never stand up out of a wheelchair. So had a lot of those motivators. But um, when you talk about PTS, when you talk about some of those other things, you know, one of the really important elements for me was I just had a ton of support. And I, I created a new, a new network and I did something that I'd never done before. You know, I had to ask for help. I had to rely on other people uh, to help me out. And that, uh, that helped get me through things. Uh, no, I, I can imagine. Tell me about uh, what you're doing with the Naval Aviation Museum Foundation. What exactly is the Naval Aviation Museum, pardon my ignorance, and uh, what's your role in terms of heading the foundation? Yeah, well, first off, Frank, you got to come down and see it. It's, I want it's to. Probably, I want uh, to. I was know, researching it a bit in uh, preparation for this interview. It sounds great. I'd love to see it. It's, uh, you know, I've got the coolest job in the world. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm the CEO of a nonprofit, and we're uh, responsible for uh, raising funds for day-to-day operations of the National Naval Aviation Museum here in Pensacola. So um, one of the largest aviation museums in the country. We've got about 150 different aircraft that are on display on our campus. You know, but, you know, our mission is to, you know, help tell the public the story of naval aviation and the people. You know, I call them common people who, you know, choose to do uncommon things for their country in the line of service. Uh, And so, you know, I get to help tell those stories. And, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, really, really motivated me and helped me uh, was, you know, I I credit the kind of my character. Um, So the grit, the determination, probably some stubbornness. Uh, that everything that I learned from naval aviation and being a pilot, you know, that really helped me focus my mind uh, and my, you know, spirituality on this recovery. You know, I can do it. I, it this was nothing more than, uh, quite frankly, a, uh, a flight plan change in life. You know, I, I was told to go right and uh, ran into a door and had to go left. Uh, and so 100% of the proceeds for the book that you mentioned, Relentless Positivity, are going to go right back to the National Naval Aviation Museum so we can tell People like you, the story of heroes uh, that you might not otherwise know about. Given your experience and the role that your faith played in your um, mental, psychological, and emotional recovery, if not necessarily your physical recovery, what do you think we as a country can learn about how to care for our veterans when they suffer from either physical or mental injuries so they don't become one of the statistics that I just alluded to? Yeah, it's a great question. And, um, you know, I guess from my perspective, uh, again, I I was, you know, before I got hurt, uh, and I still am a type A personality, full speed ahead. I can do anything. There's nothing that I can't do. Um, it, and so I had to learn how to rely on people. You know, when, when I was in the hospital, you know, immediately after the accident, I couldn't even roll in, over in bed by myself. I had to relearn how to walk. Uh, and so, you know, f- for others, uh, knowing somebody in your life who's a veteran, uh, who served, who may have some, uh, you know, injuries, it's, it's easy to see when, you know, I come into a room uh, and, you know, I'm using a walker now. I drive my truck. Uh, so, you know, it, it's not always apparent, but and I've got some physical abilities that are different than others. Um, you know, the folks with PTS, those are invisible. Uh, so you just have to, you got to be a friend. Don't be afraid to pick up the phone to call people, um, be part of a support network and realize, uh, that, uh, you know, folks don't always talk about some of those really, really tough experiences they've had when they've served, especially those folks, you know, who are in combat theaters. One of, uh, one of the things that, uh, I think a lot of folks bristle at to some extent is the fact that Veterans Day be, has become in some quarters and for some people almost just another day off. Uh, it's all about uh, sh- sales at department stores 
and kind of divorced from the original purpose of uh, honoring veterans and celebrating the contributions of veterans. What do you think the best way for people to remember Veterans Day is? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. And, you know, for me as a 35-year veteran, I can tell you that, you know, I had to pack up and leave my family. I did multiple deployments. I was probably gone for, you know, seven years of, you know, my 35-year career. Uh, The kids moved schools and, you know, it's it's a tough lifestyle. And people, you know, when we use the word sacrifice, you know, it's it's not just, you know, a word. Uh, And so in in my life and, you know, my uh, experience, you know, Veterans Day is 365 days a year. Those are the folks who, you know, allow us you know, to debate politics, allow us to, you know, choose our uh, um, source of religion. Uh, And so, you know, for me, uh, and this is a cool part of my job. Yesterday, I got to meet a guy named Royce Williams, who's, uh, you know, in his uh, late 80s. Uh, Royce was a Korean War era pilot who uh, um, completely beknownst to himself, took off one day from the carrier Oriskany and ended up shooting down four or five unconfirmed um, Soviet MiGs. And so, you know, it's history, guys like that. Uh, maybe they didn't have a shoot down. Maybe they just served three years. But, you know, to be able to say, hey, thanks for your service and, and, and really understand what that means. It's not just, you know, you went to boot camp and mm. you got to carry a gun around for a while. You know, they, they really poured their lives into something much greater than just their personal game. We're talking with uh, Rear Admiral Kyle Kozad, author of the book Relentless Positivity. It's available on Amazon or wherever books are available. Um, Admiral, what what caused you to write this book? What are you hoping people get out of this? Well, you know, some some people, you know, say, hey, this this is going to be a how to cope, or you know, it, it'll be a one two three recipe book, but. You know, you know, recovering from an accident or a circumstance and, you know, think about it. Everybody's got a circumstance in their life, uh, whether that's, you know, a bad day at school, a bad report card, you know, the car won't start or something much more serious like a cancer diagnosis, PTS or, you know, paralysis. Uh, and, and so I just wanted to tell my story um, of, you know, kind of my service at the beginning, but also talk about the accident and really what motivated me to overcome the battle of my life. No, it's uh, it's terrific. I, I just got a copy of it yesterday, and uh, I've been uh, I've been working my way through it. It's uh, really well written, and uh, you tell a lot of different aspects of your your military life and your personal life, and uh, it's really uh, it's a very intimate uh, memoir, but also a very telling how to guide and uh, good for a lot of other people. Other than veterans, uh, especially people that may be struggling to overcome some degree of uh, of adversity in your own life. Hey, um, obviously, this is a, a talk station, a news talk station. A lot of people might also watch cable news from time to time. A guy that was a fixture on cable news for a long time was uh, Dr. Charles Krauthammer, who uh, was also paralyzed from the waist down. Brilliant uh, psychiatrist, brilliant writer, and uh, the guy that made a career for himself as a pundit. You talked a little bit about um, Charles Krauthammer and how seeing him sort of inspired you to some extent. I'm wondering if you could chat a little bit about that, what seeing Krauthammer and seeing his work meant for you in your own life. Yeah, and um, so... You know, when I was first injured, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I've, I've always been a fan of his and, you know, loved to listen to him, didn't always agree with him. Uh, but, uh, you know, he was a brilliant mind. And I, I really didn't realize that he was in a wheelchair, that he was, uh, I think he was quadriplegic uh, until after my accident and I paid a little more attention. And so, you know, that, that was just one of those examples that, uh, you know, this isn't a pity party. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Pick yourself up, figure out what your new normal looks like, and, and try to find a new purpose. And that's what I did. 
Um, you know, since it's Veterans Day, I'll, I'll be honest with you, uh, the very first time in physical therapy where, you know, they pulled me out of my, my wheelchair in this real clunky mechanical device uh, and I stood up and, you know, I'm six foot four. I'm a very, fairly tall guy. You know, as soon as I stood up in the back of my mind, I said, that doctor doesn't know what he's talking about. I can do more than, you know, what he gave us as a prognosis. And I told my wife that night, I said, you know what? I want to I want to work my butt off and I want to go back and I want to serve as, you know, in my previous job in the United States Navy. And she kind of rolled her eyes and said, you can't do that. And I said, well, watch me. Um, and so uh, that was one of my motivations. And eventually, you know, I served my last two and a half years uh, in uniform. I was able to, you know, return to full duty. You know, I traveled. I had 50,000 people all around the country and actually around the world that worked, you know, for me in naval training and education. And uh, so I was a guy in the in the airport hustling around in my wheelchair, uh, learning how to get on and off airplanes and, you know, going out and, you know, doing the business of naval education and training, but also, you know, started to inspire folks. You know, they saw what I've, adversity I had overcome. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's kind of been the second chapter of my life is to be able to tell that story mm. uh, unashamedly and uh, hopefully, you know, just plant a sliver of hope or uh, a spark of encouragement for somebody you know, who's having a bad day, whether that's a report card, a girlfriend, uh, you know, or something more serious like I suffered. Tell me, uh, tell me what happened the first time that you were offered antidepressants. Yeah, good question. I, I was in uh, ICU and, you know, I had this, you know, slew of medicine in front of me and the nurse is going through and, you know, she said, this one's your antidepressant. And, and I kind of looked at her and I said, you know, what's up with that? Why, why do I need this? Um, and she said, you know, people who suffer a significant traumatic injury uh, like I had suffered, you know, often, you know, fall into dark places and they consider self-harm. Uh, and, you know, I wasn't even close to that. Uh, I, I, I really, you know, the, the title of the book is Relentless Positivity. That's kind of how I approached this. Uh, I was always looking ahead. And so, I, you know, I told her that, you know, I was fine. I didn't need anything. But it, it got me to think about, you know, the psychological aspect of a significant event in your life like this. And so, again, you know, I leaned on the support of my family. I leaned on my faith. Uh, to be able to carry me, me through this. And, you know, when people ask about, hey, tell me about the bad days. My, when I wrote this book, my mom was like, hey, that's good, but you really didn't talk about, you know, being depressed or anything else. Well, guess what? I, I, I never had to deal with that. I was fortunate. Uh, my glass is always, you know, overflowing. Uh, it's not just half full, it's overflowing. Uh, so that was never an issue for me. We have a lot of folks listening to us right now that may not be veterans. They may not even be uh, people of faith, but they might be suffering some degree of adversity. Maybe it's, in fact, I know that's true because they, they write to me. Maybe it's a financial hardship. Maybe it's a physical hardship. Maybe it's a, something like a clinical depression. Taking away the um, kind of the toughness that comes with being a Navy fighter pilot and rising all the way through the ranks of being a, an admiral, taking away the strength that you draw from from God and from your faith, maybe even taking away the support group that you had around me, uh, had around you with your family. Is there any advice absent those things? And I realize that is taking away a great deal. Is there any advice that you'd give to people listening to us right now on how they can cope with adversity, uh, be it physical, mental, emotional, financial in their own life? Yeah. So um, I would say, number one, you know, 
accept the fact that you're not different. Uh, everybody has a circumstance. Everybody has that, you know, that, that battle that they have to face. Some battles are larger than others. So, you know, I, I have always refused to accept the word can't. Nobody can tell me what I can't do. Uh, and, you know, I try to flip that around. And number one, you know, whatever this obstacle is that's in your life, you know, figure out how you can uh, use that for a new purpose. You know, how can you take uh, a lemon and turn it into lemonade? How can you make something good out of that circumstance? And, you know, I've, I've got a, a challenge coin. So it's a military challenge coin that I give to people who, you know, do good things. Uh, and on that coin, it says, don't ever let anyone tell you what you can't do. Show them what you can do. And I wow. really believe that we all have that within us. You just got to deep dig down, you know, deep inside. And, you know, it's not about your mobility. It's not about some other things. It's about what you have in your head and what you have in your heart. Well, Admiral, it's a real treat talking with you. I hope we can talk again, and I'm looking forward to seeing you at the museum down there in Florida. That's great, Frank. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, to your listeners and everybody else out there, happy Veterans Day. Absolutely. The book is Relentless Positivity, a common veteran battling uncommon odds. Its author is uh, Rear Admiral Kyle Kozad, retired Navy pilot and paralyzed veteran. You want to comment on any portion of our discussion, you're welcome to give me a call, 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.